Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, yesterday it was Leia announcing a 10% rise in their premiums. Today, as predicted by my first guest, VHI, the state's largest provider of health insurance, has followed with an average 7% across the board from October. Where are we going with health insurance? Dermot Good from TotalHealthCover.ie knows. Afternoon, Dermot. Good afternoon, Jerry. Well, uh, you you and I spoke yesterday and you've, you were writing about it as well yesterday and you said, look, it'll only be a matter of time before uh, the others follow and true to form VHI today. Um, how far can this be pushed, Dermot, before people decide, look, I just can't afford this anymore? Yeah, I, I think, Jerry, we're getting to that point now. Um, the first price increase, I suppose, wasn't a surprise. Um, early in the year, that was an average, <coughs> bigger pardon, of five percent, roughly four and a half five percent. Um, but now the second round of price increases, like this, is quite unprecedented. We haven't seen this for maybe ten years, um, and these are quite substantial. So Irish Life, another average of five percent. Leia came out with the average of three percent, but some of the plans that I've looked at already could be as high as six. And quite surprisingly, VHI's second increase um, is an average of 7%. So what there's two things going on here, Jerry, that consumers are getting caught out on. Number one, they're, they're missing this averaging. So people are relying on when they hear 3%, they think, OK, I can afford that and maybe, you know, I can allow for that. But they don't realise that's a guide. That's an indicative price. The actual increase on their plan could be double that. And in many cases, it is. So that's the first thing. Ignore the average. You need to look and see what the specific increase is on your own plan. Right. So that's number one. And be prepared for a shock. Like, Jerry, I'd be sitting down when I'm opening that email now. OK. Then the second thing that people are getting caught out on is they are forgetting that there were a, there was a round of increases earlier in the year. So they're focusing on the latest increases. But what you have to do is add the two together, because if I renewed last October, then both increases that have occurred in the meantime are coming my way this October. The cumulative effect of these increases will be anything from 10 to 16, 16 and a half, one or two might even go as high as 18%. Like that is absolutely huge. That's going to cost the average family, two adults, two children, depending on the plan they have. Jerry could be as high as 150 up to 550 uh, that they may have to find if they stay on the same plan. Now, I would recommend... I would advise anybody now, never accept these types of increases. You must shop around. And there are still deals out there, like some plans have not gone up. Some plans might have only gone up once by a below the average. And there are new deals coming in, I see in September, um, for young children under 18, where with Leia, you've only paid for the first child and the second and third and fourth will be free. I think there's going to be new plans coming out in October. So there is a very much a mixed bag, but, but have no doubt this is not good news. For any consumer of health insurance, it's going to come at the worst time because a million people will renew between December and February. So they're very much going to get impacted by this. Um, And, Jerry, it will force a lot of people, particularly younger, healthier people who maybe are barely affording their cover now. It's going to force them to rethink, do they need it? It's going to force a lot of people who do need the cover but can't afford this to maybe reduce their benefits, take on excesses, take on more risk. And I think a lot of older people in particular, maybe retired people who are on fixed incomes, they won't be able to afford. I think one or two plans I was looking at, some of the older plans that maybe currently cost around 2950 like the VHI Health Plus Extra, like year on year, that plan might be going up by about €400 per adult. 
that's just simply unaffordable for a lot of people. So a lot of consumers now, employers and individuals and families are going to have to make some difficult choices. But the key thing is, though, Jerry, they must shop around. Don't just roll your cover over. That's absolutely the wrong thing to do now. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. So really what you're saying to me is there will be people will reduce or will leave altogether. Just on that point, if you do leave and take a sabbatical for a number of years, what's the sort of tipping point, you know, that you go back to a private health cover company? Because, you know, at an age, they, they, they don't want to take you on. Well, here's the good thing now, Jerry. Right? First of all, they must take you on irrespective of your age, or your medical history. So nobody can refuse to okay. insure you. So that's a good thing. Unlike okay. car insurance or other insurances, so I can reassure people right now on health insurance, no, don't worry about that. But, right. but here's, here's what you need to be aware of. If you cancel your cover, once it's cancelled for more than 13 weeks, you're now gone. You're now, if you join again, you are a brand new member. Um, and if you're under 35, when you rejoin, you don't have to worry about age loadings. But if you were 35 or over, now, Jerry, these age loadings kick in where they charge you an extra 2% for every year you're over 34. So people need to be careful of that. The big thing, though, is, and like if I'm healthy and I cancel my cover and when I go to rejoin and I'm healthy still, I only have really six months to wait before my cover kicks in. But, Jerry, if somebody cancels and they already have an existing condition or they develop an existing or develop a new condition after they cancel when they go to rejoin, they will more than likely be hit by the five-year pre-existing exclusion. In other words, if I join, rejoin again at another stage and I have an existing condition, they will not cover that condition in hospital for five years. So mm. this is what I mean by difficult choices. There are people listening to this now who maybe have underlying conditions or maybe there's a, there's a possibility that they may need some kind of surgery or diagnostics or whatever. And those people, I would advise them, you know, there's numerous tactics you can use to reduce your cost, but don't cancel. Cancellation really should be a last resort. Like, Jerry, even for younger people who, you know, we're all young, bulletproof, think we'll never get sick and so on and don't need the cover. But I see young young people getting sports injuries and they all want to go to, you know, Nile O'Toole or the, the, the Nelligan, Mr. Nelligan in the Beacon or or there's some consultants there in the sports clinic, um, you know, particularly that are have a close affinity with GAA yes. and the Hermitage and all these hospitals. You know, those day case procedures, a minor arthroscopy on your knee could be 1,500 euro. You know, to go in and get cruciate ligament surgery could be four and a half, five, six, seven thousand euro. So, you know, that's why health insurance is all about access. Can I get in quickly and get whatever I need done without having to go on a long waiting list? But it's also about choice. You know, choice of when you go in, which hospital, which doctor and so on. If you want to go to Ray Morn and Sports Clinic, you know, you need health insurance for that. But unfortunately... And, and even after saying all of that, there are people listening now, these increases will push them over the edge. They will not be able to afford this and they're going to have to consider either significantly reducing their cover or potentially cancelling. And uh, I would encourage those people, though, engage with the insurance company, first of all. And by the way, anybody who's engaging with the insurance company, the simple thing you can do, decide on your budget. So my budget for my family right now is €3,000 and I get a bill for 3600 which I can't afford. I just phone up my insurance company and tell them I can only afford 3000 Now, I want you to come back and recommend the closest equivalent plan to what I currently have that fits that budget, that gives me as much as what I currently have. Off you go. And just sit and wait and let them do the heavy lifting. And they will because they want to keep your business. And, you know, if they come back with an alternative plan, get them to explain, OK, what's different? What am I losing? What changes? And then, Jerry, if you don't like, you know, what you're hearing, you should repeat the process with the other two insurance companies because there are new plans coming out all the time and there are deals. That's why I know people criticize the, the number of plans and which are in excess of 330, but buried in there, Jerry, there are gems, real gems. So there are options there for people. And by the way, anybody listening to this who has not reviewed their cover, so people are on the same plan for five years or more, people pay more than 1,850 per adult, People who never took out a corporate plan or maybe they have everybody on the same plan or maybe, Jerry, they don't have an excess on their policy. Those people are already potentially overpaying by 500 to 1,000 per adult. So a, a full review of their cover might not only you know, enable them to avoid these increases, they could still come out as net beneficiaries by saving money. So 
I think what's going to happen is these increases are going to prompt a lot of people who might ordinarily let the cover roll over. They won't be able to do it. They'll have to shop around. And maybe that's not a bad thing, but mm. these are significant price increases, no doubt about that. Fantastic advice there, Dermot, I have to say. And and when I listen to you, what I meant by, you know, they don't want you, when well, you talk about those loadings and when you go back and preconditions and five years, they, they're the issues that people have to deal with and it's, it becomes difficult. Two things um, before we finish up. I know somebody, I think I mentioned this to you before, they put away money on a regular basis and they leave it sit there and it's only for if they need it for those procedures you were mentioning there. And what about the public system relying on it? Yeah, I mean, there are some people who basically go the self-funding route. Um, and, you know, look, it's it's a risky strategy, Jerry. Like, now, look, I believe in insurance. Right? But here's, I'll tell you where that strategy works. If you are lucky enough and you have the discipline and you have the, 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 the resources to put away whatever it is every month, and you do it religiously for five, seven, ten years, so you build up a fund, yeah. well, then that fund might be adequate, you know, might be adequate, but it takes, you know, it assumes no interruptions, it assumes you don't have to dip into the fund, and so on. Um, whereas somebody might might start or might adopt that strategy, but what happens if a year in, like a tonsillectomy, you know, like you have to kind of budget for nearly a thousand euro per day in hospital. Mm. Like a hip replacement is fifteen thousand euro, you know. So what we find sometimes somebody might have three, four, five thousand euro put away one small procedure that could be wiped out. Um, you know, even somebody might not be hospitalised, but they might have to spend a fortune on outpatient expenses. Their fund could be wiped out. So. You know, at least with the insurance, one of the good things with health insurance in Ireland is that most policies cover you up for 180 days. There's no monetary limit. You will never be penalised for claiming. So claim for everything. If you have major surgery, develop a serious condition and you cost your insurer a fortune, they can't penalise you and they must renew your cover each year. So the system does work, um, but it is getting getting more expensive. You know, so that's that's going to be the challenge. We deal with a lot of people who don't want to cancel or don't want to reduce their cover but they don't have the financial means to, to stay on the same level of cover, you know. So I would encourage anybody, as I say, who might be struggling with this, shop around. You might be shocked to find you can get a better deal with the same insurance company, Jerry. That's the key thing, yeah. just because you ask the right questions. So that's, that's strategy number one. And as I say, if you are confused, worried, if you think you need very specific advice because you have serious underlying conditions, there are loads of advisors around the country who will do the heavy lifting for you. The public system, Jay, it's a really good question. And I'd love to say to people that the public system has turned a corner and it's now fit for purpose. There are early signs of the waiting list being reduced, but only marginally. There's still, you know, five, and it, depending what figures you look at, anything from half a million to 650,000 people on waiting lists. So right now, the public system is still not, in my view, fit for purpose. And what I mean by that is for emergencies and urgent surgeries, brilliant and when you get in there people with serious chronic conditions when you get into the public system you get fantastic treatment but for people who have minor uh, illnesses and who want quick access to diagnostics or maybe they've orthopedic issues we still see people waiting months years for those types of treatments and really that's where health insurance comes in so a lot of for a lot of people health insurance is still it's an essential item it's it's not a luxury item you know so i don't think i don't think a lot of people have to fall back on the public system but you're, you're not comparing like with like Jerry, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Uh, for yourself, uh, Dermot, and what you do, totalhealthcover.ie, people get in touch with you just by logging on there? Yeah, there will be. The, the, on the website, Jerry, there's a free policy search. So, look, we do fee-based reviews for companies and individuals, but before people even consider that, on the, 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 the website, and it'll be updated now on the first of every month, there is the free policy search where I update that with the best value plans in a number of different price segments. So I would encourage your, your, you know, your listeners to check that out. There's no cost whatsoever. And at least if they see a plan and they like the description and the price fits, well, then when they phone up the insurance company, they can ask for that plan specifically. Um, and, you know, hopefully then, and every plan, by the way, every plan on the market, irrespective of whether it's a corporate plan or a nurse's or a teacher's plan, anybody can join any plan. But the best advice I can give to your listeners now is as soon as that renewal notice lands, please engage with the insurance company, tell them your budget and get them get them working to keep your business. Jerry, one word of warning here for people. The amount of people who renew on the 31st of December and the 1st of January, thousands upon thousands, it's the biggest renewal period of the year. But it's the worst time because you can't get through to the insurance companies and you're probably busy with family and Christmas and traveling. 
I would urge all those people do as soon as that renewal notice lands the last week of November, do the work then, get it out of the way, get it finished by early December, and then you don't have to worry about it over the Christmas. Terrific advice as always. Totalhealthcover.ie. Dermot Good, we really appreciate you joining us on late lunch anytime you do. Mike. Thanks for joining me, Dermot. Not about it. Take care now. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Dermot Good there. And I'll say it again. Totalhealthcover.ie. Check it out. It really is a fantastic resource. Would you have given the oysters a go if you were with me in Carlingford yesterday? Absolutely. I know you would. <laughs> I know you would. That's the great thing about Louise. You know, you know. I, I just said it. I would have loved to have you there yesterday to taste them because they were something else. And, you know, I, I, I said it at the top of the show. I went home. Uh, Keen gave me a, a dozen of them and put half a dozen or so into the um, oven with a lovely, as he told me, garlic butter, which I made up myself, and breadcrumbs and cheese mixed on the top, always. Mm, you sent me a picture, though. Oh, and you just make God. me jealous, of course. <laughs> um, they, they, lovely. Just, they didn't look nice, though. Oh, n- never mind. That was maybe the way I, I did them or whatever. No, it was the. No, I think it's just, I, ne- I'm, I don't think I'm used to actually seeing cooked, baked. Yeah. Yeah, that was the cheese and the bread comes crispy on the top, you see, we're looking at. That's what you're looking at in the shell. But I can tell you the taste. A glass of Chardonnay and a half a dozen. You're getting very posh. From the oven. Oh, what a tea I had. That's me tea. That was me tea yesterday evening. Far from baked beans (laughs) or banana sandwiches. (laughs) With me Chardonnay yesterday. It was absolutely lovely. Oysters, is that Worcestershire sauce or some kind of sauce that you're meant to add? Yeah, well, to? Is, well, it, is it that? Am I right? Tabasco, Tabasco sauce? I, yeah, I Tabasco. had Tabasco on them yesterday, yeah. Tabasco, lemon and had them just by themselves as well. Oh, there's something else. They they really, really are. On the subject of food, did you see this? That Burger King, the Whopper, you know the Whopper mm. in Burger King, like yeah. the Quarter Pounder in McDonald's, they're up in court because right. somebody's saying the images they portray is not the same as the Whopper you get in the shop. It's Ooh. smaller. But you know what? You could say that about anything. Yeah. You could say that about anything under the sun, really. Especially our politicians. You know, when you look at their pictures and you think, <laughs> <laughs> fine-looking woman or fella there. and, and then He's you, a whopper. <laughs> <laughs> then you meet them. <laughs> and you think, ooh, bit of airbrushing there for sure. You could say it about anything. I'm just thinking. Say about even our pictures on yeah, social media. Yeah, 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 they need to be updated as well. You know, that we can see that the years are passing along. The Botox anyway, here and there. Yeah. So I was just looking looking at that case and thinking God you could really do that across the board because people portray the best image you know mm. but there are special like photographers to take food and they have special tricks to make that food yeah, look I amazing know. I know and that's that's part and parcel of the game so it is anyway I just said I'd mention today Burger King defending the Whopper are you an ambitious person question for you are you ambitious have you had ambition through your life? What do you think about ambition? I read a wonderful article about it at the weekend in the Irish Times and was penned by my next guest. She's a counselling psychologist and academic director of PCI College in Dublin. And I'm delighted she's joining me on the show. Jade Lawless, welcome to Late Lunch. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for having me. Not at all. I'm delighted to have you with me because this is a very interesting topic. I was just thinking about our conversation today. And I suppose for some people, their ambition is the next meal and others the next million. You know what I'm saying? Circumstances. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, ambition itself is generally seen as something really desirable. You know, we look at it as that desire to succeed, the drive to achieve, and that usually results in something positive for us. Um, But, you know, there is a shadow side to ambition. um, And it's not necessarily the ambition itself. That's good or bad. It's it's how we measure it and what we link it to that ends up being either positive or negative for our mental health. What's the difference uh, between uh, ambition and being competitive? I'm sure you hear this all the time. They're, they're very competitive, or he or she's a very competitive person. Yeah, well, I suppose com- com- being competitive is about the, the need or the drive to win. You know, to be at the top of of the game. Whereas ambition is slightly different. There is a crossover, but with ambition, it's about reaching a goal. Um, fulfilling something for either yourself or external reward. So it's it's not necessarily about being the best. It's about achieving a set point in your life or a set goal in your life, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does indeed. And you mentioned a moment ago yourself, it's neither good nor bad. And uh, you you wrote about this as well. From the good perspective, where is ambition good in life for us? 
So ambition is good because it provides direction. So if you're ambitious, you generally will have an end result in mind. So you've got something to aim towards. And when we're aiming and striving, that kind of links to our self-esteem. It can increase our self-esteem if we're going well, if we're on the happy path. It it helps us to increase our belief in ourselves because we're achieving, we're reaching those goals that we've set for ourselves. So in lots of ways, it's very motivating to be ambitious because you're always reaching for something forward. Yes, and on the contra side, on the opposite scale of things, where is it a difficulty or, uh, you know, will present problems in our life for us? Yeah, well, look, when you're always reaching for the next thing or striving for the next goal, that in itself is highly pressurised. It can be very overwhelming to always be needing to meet the next X, meet the next mark, if you like. So that that can have a really negative impact on our self-esteem, particularly if we're striving for something and we perceive that we're not getting there quick enough or that the mini milestones that maybe we've set up for ourselves we're failing at or whatever that can then link us to have a negative image of ourselves a negative self-worth so it also can help can kind of direct us towards always being achievement orientated so we're constantly looking outside of ourselves for validation um, and that impacts our, our self-esteem if it doesn't go our way we feel bad about ourselves Yes, I understand what what you're saying there. Are we born with it, Jade, or is it instilled into us from a young age? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, it's a bit of an on-the-fence answer, though, unfortunately. There, there's a bit of both involved. So ambition is generally seen as a trait, and traits, it's generally accepted that traits, majority of traits can be inherited. So there's definitely a biological aspect there. But nurture and our early environment, our early experiences, highly influence our traits and our values. And we see that in the research when it comes to ambition, um, that our early experiences and society can influence our ambitious traits. So we might have a bit of ambition there in our biology and our genetic makeup, but it's how that interacts with our experiences in the world that will maybe push us towards being overly ambitious, or, you know, underly ambitious or having just the right amount of ambition. And in society today, especially Western society, uh, you know, the trophy thing, you know, having the trophy job, the trophy wife, car, home, I have it all. And suddenly you reach that point. Is it true that, you know, no matter how far you push this and you think you have everything, but some people just never feel happy or never content. Is that a fact? Yeah, that that can happen, you know, Um, and research shows that when our ambition is linked to external rewards, such as the job, the car, the promotion, when it's based on things that are outside of ourselves, we generally become less satisfied and we are less fulfilled. And our joy in that, you know, in, in reaching that place is short lived. So we might delighted in the short term but it soon wears off and that's why then you find people who are overly ambitious always looking for the next thing whereas if our ambition is internally led so if I'm being ambitious because I want to fulfill a personal goal of mine like I might want to gain more knowledge by doing a course or I want to engage in personal growth for myself then my satisfaction and my joy is much longer lasting when it's not linked to those things like jobs, money, uh, holidays, keeping up with the Joneses, etc. And yet that's what's pushed at us through advertising, the images we see on social media, isn't it? We're bombarded with that everywhere. We are, and it's, it's, it's kind of difficult in its own right, just the messages that we get from society, because we very much live in a society that, um, goal orientated you know our education system is based off an achievement model the workplace is based mostly off an achievement model society tells us that we have to be producing we should be productive members of society we need to have goals we need to set good examples so there's pressure in those messages in their own right but then also society tells us don't try too hard don't step on other people to get what you want to get um, you know, don't put other people down to, to put yourself forward. Um, don't be too ambitious. That's greedy. That's selfish. And so you, this creates this kind of cognitive dissonance inside us where we're thinking, okay, 
on one hand, this is my what I'm expected. On the other hand, I'm given all these limits as well. And that can create lots of inner conflicts, which can turn to anxiety and self-doubt. So it's, it's quite complex. Mm, it certainly is and you know in the context of what we're talking about today uh, I was thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs which begins yeah. uh, at the base so to speak with the uh, physiological needs then safety love and belonging esteem yeah. and then right at the top of the triangle if you like to call it is self-actualization. the bottom two like you know physiological safety and then love and belonging everybody desires those but when you go beyond that you know, is ambition factored into the the hierarchy of needs? Yeah, that's another great question, Jerry. And and actually, when it comes to those early influences that I was talking about earlier on, that kind of hits that spot in terms of our love and belonging needs, for sure. Sometimes even our safety needs, in that if, if we receive messages from our caregivers that you must achieve, you know, that this is highly important to me in our relationship, you need to be the good girl or the good boy or you should be getting your A's in school or, you know, making money in such a job or whatever it is, the conditions of worth, we call that, which is essentially that we all have these conditions under which we're eligible to be loved. Now, they're very innocently put on us as children. Um, you know, it's like, make your bed. Aren't you great? You're brilliant. Oh, you got uh, a B in, in your math homework. God, you're amazing. You're fantastic. So we start to learn that when I achieve and when I do these things, I'm lovable. Um, and so we are, our value around ambition is it can be influenced by getting those love and belonging and sometimes those safety needs met. So there are very, they're at the lower end of the pyramid, the, the, the hierarchy of needs that you talked about there. So we can't progress up to feeling good about ourselves or even becoming self-actualized, if ever we can be, without having those safety and love and belonging needs met. So if my relationship with my caregivers is dependent on me doing well, being the good girl, getting the results, you know, achieving, striving, then that's going to become part of how I interact with the world as an adult. Mm. I'll, I'll constantly be working out of that love and belonging need unless I look at that, reflect on that and figure out if that really is important to me as an adult. Yeah, so interesting. And when you say there at the tip, the self-actualisation is not an easy one to, to end up at for anybody. Um, how do you how do you tread a middle ground with this? Is it possible, you know, to temper both, you know what I mean, to get yeah. a balance between the negative and positives when it comes to ambition? Yeah, I think so. Look, first and foremost, it's everything starts with your own awareness. So if you can take some time, whether that's on your own with a friend through journaling or with a professional counsellor, just to do a little bit of exploration around what is important for me in my life. And in that process, you might figure out that these these things that drive your ambition, are they your authentic voice or is it inherited? Is it something, you know, messages that you've been told through society or through your parents or caregivers? Um, so what is important to me in my life as an adult? What are really are my values? And then build your ambitions around them. That's the first step, I suppose, is to figuring out what your values really are and working them into your ambitious goals. That helps to create the balance. Secondly, then, it's about some boundaries. Having boundaries is really, really important. So if you're an ambitious person and you feel like that you're you're, you're constantly you know, compromising maybe your own time, your own sense of worth, meaning, relationships. It's time to put some boundaries around that stuff so that you can bring some balance back in. So when we begin to compromise relationships and time, we generally start to lose a connection with ourselves. Um, and that that's a, a sure sign that we need to make a change. So I think definitely some self-reflection and putting in some boundaries. They're two really good first steps to bring in balance your life fantastic the big question to finish off do we need ambition in our lives must we all have an ambition of sorts or can we get through life are there people who have no ambition at all that's a great question nearly the million dollar question Jerry. you know i think um a little bit of ambition is healthy in that it's about how you define it for yourself so it's not allowing that ambition to be handed to you predefined, but you determining where you want to go with your life. And that's the ambition. So it doesn't have to be these huge, big, 
um, external pieces like we spoke about already. Part of it can be about focusing on the little wins for you. So an ambition in life might be to feel satisfied, you know, to stop and smell the roses in the day. Like that's as good an, as of an ambition as any. Um, so it's about redefining it for yourself and just having something in your life to look to that means something to you and only you can define that. And I think that's the healthy approach to ambition. Certainly is. I like what you're saying. Listen, it's been great chatting to you this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me again on the show to talk about ambition. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're welcome. Take care. That's Jade Lawless there, a counselling psychologist and academic director of PCI College in Dublin. It's a very, very interesting subject. Are you ambitious? Say I'm ambitious. I am indeed. Tell you more in a minute. Dua Lipa and Dance the Night from the Barbie movie on your late lunch this afternoon. Now, listen up, folks. LMFM wants to send you to Paris to watch the big one. Yes, Ireland against South Africa in the World Cup on September 23rd. You could win the ultimate rugby experience with return flights, three nights in Paris and gold category match tickets with hospitality. Woohoo! Oh, what a prize it would be to win. Imagine the atmosphere in that ground. Electric it'll be. It's the big game for Ireland at the World Cup for sure and South Africa in great form at the moment. I know we're number one in the world, but it's a big challenge. Would you like to go along? Here's how you can. You can enter the competition by texting LMFM to 57886. That's LMFM to 57886. Text as soon as you can, please. Text costs €2.50 plus your standard rate. You must be over 18 to enter and you're playing across the Wireless Ireland network of stations. Lines close at 5 o'clock today when we will call one person back at random. Answer our test of skill and you qualify for the final draw on September 4th. For full terms and conditions, see lmfm.ie. And the very best of luck to you, Ashling Cuncannon's delighted. She's in the hat. Uh, she uh, was qualified on Monday. Yesterday, it was Candice Whitfield. And listen to this. She's from South Africa and she's only living in, living in Ireland for two years. And she won yesterday and she's in the hat for the draw. Well done to Candice. It could be you today. LMFM to 57886. Get texting now, folks, for that wonderful prize. Um, the Barbie movie, Louise, you went to see it, didn't you? Dua Lipa, we had on there a second ago. Yeah, it was yeah. great. I think I and, re- yeah. and you enjoyed it. And you were telling Looked me, it. Ireland per capita has mm. had the high. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Takings at the box office for that movie. Yep, if you I think look the world is talking about Ireland world, and Barbie. Ireland and Barbie. Yeah. So we've become a nation of Barbies. <laughs> we've become a nation of... Barbies. No, we need something just to escape reality What at the does minute. it say it's about It's great us. fun. 
What great fun. does it say about us that we are the biggest in the world going, and we dance the night away? What <laughs> is wrong with us at all? And pink shirts and dresses and everything I think it's can't great. be stocked. There's that big of a demand for them. Christmas is going to be big for Barbie, isn't it, this huge. year? It I'd say is. huge, yeah. Oh, and all accessories. Yes, all accessories indeed. What about Vera Pow? Pow to Vera. She's mm. out the door. Batman. Gone. gone. Uh, no surprise, Louise. Like, sure, this was in the offing for weeks. Uh, the we're going to get rid of her anyway. Do you think it's a pity? Do you think she should have just been given another chance? I'll tell you this for nothing. I'll tell anybody in the FAI. If you let players dictate mm-hmm. who the manager should be, I don't know whether I said this before, in any sport, close up shop and go home. Because <laughs> players, you know, are players and they just got to fall into line and the manager is the manager, whoever that is. And, you know... Um, she's a tough cookie. I'm sure she didn't get to where she is now by not being. She's proven as a man. She took us to the World Cup as well. And there are other issues, but uh, you know, simmering in the background. I accept that. You know what I mean? She's been accused from when she was in the States uh, and only accused. There's no no proof or anything about this yet, but it threw a little bit of a shadow on things. Maybe there's a nervousness about that. But... I say it again. Players play the game, take direction, paid for what they do. Managers are appointed by associations and clubs, the people who own them and run them. And that's the way it should be. But if you get into that, I despair, I have to say, if you have players dictating. Anyway, I wish her well. I wish mm. her well. She did well here. She'll always be remembered for taking us She's to the fantastic. World Cup. Yeah, yeah. She, she really, really did. She did indeed. Um, what about that crash? In, another one in Tipperary yeah. yesterday. Grandparents and a child. Awful. Aren't, isn't there an awful oh, run of tragedies on yeah. the road at the moment? And we spoke to Mick, yeah, you know, Mick recently, uh, Mead Road Safety Officer, about this, and he made uh, he made loads of you know yeah. reasons. But yeah. do we and, does and, anybody really know what and, happened there either? And, you know, God bless them. Who knows? And we can only appeal again mm. for people to take care on the roads. Slow down, slow down. If that's one thing I'd say to anybody. And have your car checked that you've good tyres and just try and take care. That's all. Take care, folks. It's just been an awful time in Ireland on the roads. It really, really has. Are you an ambitious person? We were talking about ambition. Very interesting woman, isn't she? Jade Lawless. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, the way she couched it there as well. I'm ambitious. I think everybody is ambitious. Yeah, I think you have, haven't you? I don't think you'll find anybody that's not. Now, I guess when you have family in that, it wanes a little Mm. or it changes. You're ambitious for them, I think, then. Do you think so? Yeah, you get ambitious for your children. <laughs> <laughs> they have no choice in the matter. No, and an awful lot of parents try to try, try to yeah. achieve the ambition through their children that they've never achieved themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a that is a fact. You'd know that anyway, uh, and, and generally doesn't come to anything because the kids grow up and realise. Hold on, it's my life, baby. <laughs> Tough go away. You know, I think you know if you have come. Ambition, you need some competition as well. You need to be competitive, don't yeah, you? Really, I think so. and be ready for that. Yeah, and I think in life as well, there are winners and losers in life. That's that is life for you. You know what I mean? This thing nowadays, where everyone wins. You know, when there's twenty five yeah. children, everyone gets a medal. You're a winner. <laughs> You're a winner. You were you were five minutes behind the the, the person <laughs> who won the race. No, no, no. Please don't go down You're that terrible. road. You don't go down that road. That's absolute nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. They are winners if the race was run the other way. Well done for taking part. <laughs> That's grand. No medals. None of that nonsense. Give me a break from that type of stuff. We'll get into that in another day. Anyway, up next on Late Lunch, they can talk too. Yes, Toastmasters from Drogheda are in the house. Toastmasters Drogheda are having an open night on the 4th of September in the Boyne Valley Hotel at 8 o'clock and three of their members are joining me today. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch, John Leach, Anmar and Leo Riley. You're all very welcome to the show. Thank you for Hi, joining Jerry. me. Thanks for having us. Ah, oh, you're very welcome. Leo, I'm going to start with yourself because you were just telling me a moment ago there before we came on air you're the longest in membership are you of the Toastmasters oh, the three of us yes and he's also the us. oldest <laughs> come, in, come in a little closer to that mic John, there mate. John Bylan uh, had an interview with you at around 2014 and I heard it and I joined Toastmasters as a follow up to that ah the talk about you're very welcome back to this show on any occasion when you say that I'm delighted to hear that that you picked up from a chat we had on the show uh, with John but look, tell us, Leo, why, why did you go along? What did you want to achieve? Well, at that time, I was working with a company. I was in a sales company 
and I was at a conference in the UK. I was asked to give a presentation off the cuff and it didn't go too well, put it like that, and I needed to practice. And one of our former attendees, uh, Gavin Duffy, he reckoned Toastmasters was like a gym for public speakers. You can practice in a safe environment. So and that was that. That has done what it, you said it should do on the tin for you ever since. Perfect. Yes, yes exactly. It was brilliant. Yeah. Isn't that- so that's where it is. It's all about learning. <laughs> Let's bring Anne into the conversation. Anne Mar, what about you? How long are you a member of Toastmasters, Anne? I'm a member, I'd say around seven years, Jerry. Um, a friend of mine encouraged me to go for years. And my only regret was when I walked in the first day that I hadn't gone years before. It's a very warm, it's a very welcoming environment. It's a very safe place to stand up and speak and learn all the skills with your 18 or 90 years of age. <laughs> it's great for everybody. It really, really is. And you know, when you went in the door, I, I know I've spoken about this before in the context of Toastmasters. Are you nervous that, oh, they're going to call me up. Oh, I'm going to be shown up here. I'm going to be... I'm, you know what people are yes. probably thinking today, listen to us, that's maybe a put-off factor. What do you say to not, that? Not in the least. There is... Every meeting has a similar format. So it's all about taking on a role if you want to. So you start off very gently, maybe just introducing, you know, the the meeting, maybe um, introducing, holding, you know, switch off your phones, the usual housekeeping yes. rules. So do yes. something very, very gentle and then maybe say a poem and then and then get up and speak. Mm. And it's um, you do it at your own pace. And it's always you get wonderful feedback. You know, everyone is on your side because you stand up for the first time to speak and everybody is you can see it. They're smiling, they're willing you on and they want you to succeed. It's wonderful. And again, like Leo, to you in your life, personally, professionally and everything, this has been a real bonus. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can use it just all the time, thinking on your feet, just general general confidence and, of course, meeting a wonderful bunch of people as well. Mm, you make friendships. Absolutely. Sure. El Presidente. Is that right, John Leach? Yes. That's, that's the right, President. I'm afraid for my sins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good on you. Um, you, time-wise, how many years? Again, tell us about your background and I'm, I'm probably, I'm a bit of a whippersnapper, I suppose, in, in the current comedy. Um, about four years in, in the club, maybe five. I think heading for five now this year. So I suppose it's slightly different in that um, I'd been involved in Mocker, you know, as a, as a young fella. That's a long time ago now. So we did a lot of public speaking, uh, a lot of debating and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I fancied myself as having a, at least some skills in that space. But like that, you know, you move away from all of that. You, you don't practice it, you know, and you get very rusty. Um, etc. So I sort of came back to Toastmasters um, again. I'd sort of come along to one of the open nights like we're having next Monday. And uh, it just struck me that, yeah, this was a good opportunity to go back and just do some of the things that I really enjoy, because I really enjoy um, just partaking in the in the meeting, uh, getting up and making, you know, speech, but just exploring different ideas mm. uh, and that sort of stuff. So and I was amazed at, you know, the friendships I've made in the in the couple of in the in the years. That was the thing that I probably didn't expect, really. Um, but, you know, it is almost like a family environment, I, I, w- I would say, in terms of everybody. You know, we've all told each other lots of stories about each other because we've used them in speeches and all the rest of it so you get to really know the people there mm. um, and that, that really helps in terms of when you want to go explore something new in terms of an idea or present it to somebody you can go test it in this group and it, it's, it's really interesting from that point of view so for me it was just about getting back into doing a little bit of public speaking getting that buzz because while we talk about the fear of speaking and people sometimes say that the, you know, they're more afraid of public speaking than dying which generally means that you know, if you're at a funeral they prefer to be in the box than actually giving the eulogy so um, that's and while that's true there's also the flip side of it is there's a great buzz when you actually get up present something to an audience and they you know they, they get it they cheer they you, you know when you sit down afterwards like there's a really great buzz to say hey I've actually managed to communicate something you know to, to the people and we've shared something and that's really worthwhile I'll never forget that vignette on end, end of life you've just told us there a moment ago <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic how did you manage Leo during the uh, pandemic I'm just thinking because you know w- what happened there coincidentally I was president during the pandemic And it was probably, we had our 20th year as Toastmasters in Drogheda and we had our 400 meeting to celebrate. So we did everything online. You lose the impact of the in the room experience, 
But online, we had people attending our meetings from Peru, from Kerry, <laughs> from, from uh, Australia, the, States, the, the States, States, all over. So we, we, we ran it offline, but we, we ran it, uh, sorry, on, on Zoom meetings. Yes. Every second Monday night on Zoom. So it opened horizons, Anne, for you in a way. It yeah. sure did, yes. And in terms of the, the Zoom meetings, the only... It's wonderful to be back in the room again, obviously. Um, and Zoom kept us Zoom kept us going. Um, it really kept the club going and it kept made us stronger, um, I would say. And the only thing you would miss when doing a speech in on Zoom would be the fact that when you're in the room, you know when you've cracked a joke or yes. you have you can see the expressions, you can see people coming with you through your speech as you're talking, you can see their reactions. Um, unfortunately, when everyone is muted in Zoom, you don't get the same experience. But it was wonderful and it was great for us. And it really, really kept us going. Yeah, it kept the show on Absolutely, the road. Absolutely, 100%. So can I test you today? Can I test the Toastmaster? I'm putting you on the spot here now. They didn't expect this. If I throw something at you or a word, would one of you take it for... And, and maybe speak for 30 seconds or whatever. Any, any volunteers? Just to, you, the, Folks, I'm going to tell you, they don't know what I'm going to do here. Honestly, as a matter of fact, nothing set up here. This is, uh, this is off the cuff. Off the cuff, Who's right. going to take it if I throw a word out and you talk about it? Who? Who? Go on. Right, we have to say before you give us go the on, word. Right? Give oh, us the word. Oh, yeah. Come I'll on. Go. Yeah, okay. Will you go? Um, yeah. Because I'll give you the word then. Okay, the president is going to take the word and let's see how he gets on for a moment with what I give him. The word, well, there's two words. Donald Trump. Donald Donald Trump. Okay, well, obviously, probably Donald Trump is probably, if he's not one of the most famous people in the world, unfortunately, he's probably the most infamous pe- person in the world. So I suppose the, the thing that when you think about uh, what he's done for the US in terms of, in many ways, he's probably... Polar, it's probably just crystallised what has been happening in the US in terms of the political political um, space there. Uh, it's been it's obviously quite divided, has been quite divided long before he uh, came on the scene. But he's obviously knows how to use that and to to his advantage. Um, he is an absolute. Uh, when we talk about communication, charisma, and all the rest of it, we may not like the message, but he is absolutely brilliant at delivering it, and he's absolutely br- brilliant at ensuring that he's the centre of attention and making sure that that it's his communication, his agenda, his topic, his message that's being talked about, and it just sucks the oxygen out of everybody else. So while whether you agree with him or disagree with him, and I certainly wouldn't agree with many or any of his points, uh, you have to admire the ability to communicate and to actually manage to galvanise a trial and it can only be described as a tribe around him to follow his his uh, his message. You are good, sir, may I say. Over a minute. Well done to you there. Thank you. you. Hadn't it, you that's fantastic. And if, is that, if that's an example of what Toastmasters does, I have to say it's very, very impressive. Well done to you, John Leeds, there. Thank you, thank you Jerry. That was... Leo, are you up for it? Leo, Leo, are you, are you up for it? Go on. Will you give it a go for me, Leo? Go ahead. Go on, go on. I'll throw one at you. I know this man sporting-wise through the years. So let's let's give him something up up his alley. Will I? Lionel Messi. Go. One minute. Lionel Messi. I had the pleasure of meeting Lionel Messi when he came to Dublin in 2010 after the World Cup in South Africa. And my name is Leo. My son is Leo. We got a picture with him. And it's just legendary. He signed the autograph on my son's shirt. And I think he's a legend and I think he's a great role model, even though he's changed a little bit over years. His ego, his feet are still on the ground. He never had an ego through all his playing career. And I have the highest respect for Leo Messi. I card you. Fantastic. Well, well, I, I, you know, again, astounded I am that you, you, you just took that on the chin and away you went. What a great story. Well done to you. I forgot to mention you. one Gary Marr was there as well. He's like an adopted <laughs> son. Sorry, Gary. Isn't, isn't that such a coincidence that I throw that out and there you can tell me, well, I met the man. That is just... Uh, I'm delighted. Fantastic. Well done to you. And will I put you on the spot? No, I'm not. Do you want to go on the spot? Do you want me to give you something? No, 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 no. I, will I give you one? Will you, will, you, will you do one for me if, if I think one for you as well? Okay, let's do this then for you. Here we go. And look at half a minute, a minute, whatever you can do. On the spot, Mary Robinson. Mary Robinson has been an absolute role model and is a role model. Um, being, being the first female Irish president and possibly 
among the probably the first female president maybe in in the whole world. She is a fantastic orator, fantastic voice. She's still talking. She is still doing so much for human rights, what she has done, the legacy. There's not anybody in the world who doesn't know the name Mary Robinson. She has done so much um, professionally. She's she's a complete role model. She's she's wonderful. <laughs> and well done to you too. God, you didn't think you were coming in today to be put on the spot. Did anybody think that John Boylan dodged the bullet, didn't he? He definitely did. <laughs> but there's one waiting. <laughs> <laughs> He's not getting off right. too handy with this. You spoke yeah. earlier on. Let's come back to the president, John Leach, about, you know, age wise. Who is uh, Toastmasters open to? We heard from. Uh, well, literally, literally, when you say we, we have members from 18 to 90, our, okay. old, our oldest member is 90. Yeah, so you, you need to be 18 just at the lower correct. end of things. Yeah, at the lower yes. end of things, you need, you need to be 18. And then, really, after that, there, there's no there's no limits. Um, so we have people, we have students, you know, coming out of college, you know, going to their first job. Um, they were, you know, needed to improve their communication, presentation skills and work. You know, actually, we have one chap who, who that was his motivation to join. We have people who were, you know, getting married and they needed to, you know, brush up on either the best man's or the father <laughs> of the bride speech. Yes. Um, and, and that's an important uh, reason to join sometimes. Uh, we, have, we have people actually who just from a pure confidence confidence level, you know, that they felt that they, um, you know, their, their lack of ability to speak or communicate was holding them back. Yes. Um, and they joined, again, just to, you know, find that confidence, um, find that belief in themselves. Um, so literally, we've had everything from students, engineers, farmers, uh, plumbers, printers, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Across, across the, the board. Across the board, a tremendous mix of, of, of people um, from, from that point of view and lots of different reasons and motivations to join. But the common thing is really just improve your confidence, improve your leadership skills, improve your communication and that all feeds into good public speakers. Yeah, it's, it's, you don't have to be just presenting in public. You, you know, when you're going to a job interview, like just what you did, you know, a job interview, you get a question landed on and you have to answer mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So practicing that art, and yes. it is a bit of an art, is, is key. Men and women, both all welcome of any age as well. That message to go out today to, to people. So self-confidence, self-awareness, personal growth, leadership skills, speaking, all combined. Yes, all, all combined. All coming in, together. In a bit of a fun and social yeah, environment. It. Like it, it, it's, it's not, not serious. It's not serious. I mean, there is a lot of education invol- or available to you. But it's up to you how you use it. Uh, it's up to you to use the resources. You know, it's not like a classroom. You know, mm. you, you come in yeah. and it's it's learned by doing. Yeah. It, that's how we, there's two things about it. You learn by practicing and doing. And the second thing, you also learn through feedback. Mm. So the other thing that we're very strong on is, is our, you know, we would always provide evaluations and feedback to people. And that's generally done in a very positive, constructive way. Mm. So, you know, we're not trying to shoot anybody down. Yes. So it's helping people improve. Because there's no point telling somebody they're great if they're really not. Yeah. So you have to find a way to, you know, nudge them along that path. Of course. And, and, and that's the way we And build them it. up. So 4th of September is uh, the night. It's yeah. an open night. You just show up at the Boyne Valley Hotel in Drogheda for 8 o'clock and you'll be welcomed with open arms. Absolutely. And then, is it once a month you meet then? or Every every second Monday. Every second. So the second and fourth two, Monday. So yeah, two so Mondays twice in, in, in the, the month. month. Twice in the month. Correct. And you can make your choice right. there. If you can get and along one great and, and you're welcome along to come as a guest for a couple of nights it's, yes. you know just taste it see if you like it if you don't like it you know no no there's no problems you don't you know there's no commitments no obligations come and join just see come and just join us for a meeting see what it's like and see great stuff you. and you won't be put on the spot like the guys were here today I promise no. you listen wish you well 4th of September Boyne Valley Hotel 8 o'clock but for the moment John Leach President Anne Marr and Leo Riley it's been great having you in studio today and wish you well with the year ahead thank you thank, thank you Jerry. Jerry. the theme for the Pilo Hotel Hotel and Spa and Ashbourne Christmas Party Nights is the ultimate tribute to the 80s and 90s. You can step back in time and if you want to find out more information about them, uh, check it out on pilohotelashbourne.com forward slash Christmas parties. I have a great prize this week. I want to send six of you to the Pilo for one of those Christmas nights. It's worth over €400. And each day I'm asking you to tell me the person or the group or whoever singing the Christmas number one. 2001 today. Let's have another listen. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend in me. 
I've nearly played the whole thing again. It's a song I adore. It's not Frank and Nancy Sinatra. It's not Frank and Nancy. No, it's not. So many uh, had that one. It's actually Robbie Williams and Nicole Kidman uh, was the answer I was looking for. And many of you got that too. And out of the hat today and into the draw on Friday for the Christmas party night at the Pilo goes Marguerite Murphy. Well done to you. That's Anne-Marie Neary, Ruby Grendon and Marguerite Murphy now in the hat. Two more to go tomorrow and Friday and then we'll pick a winner on Friday afternoon's show. The Declan Nerney tickets, the Spire, the Spire Lloyd. I was looking for, Lloyd was the word I was looking for. Sheila Maloney, well done to you. Those tickets to Declan Nerney are yours this afternoon. You came out of the hat today. Well done to you, Sheila. Anyway, just reminding you that on uh, our LMFM radio Bingo front next Tuesday's jackpot is seven thousand four hundred euro. Well done to Bridie Brown from Art Cath who won six hundred euro recently. She picked up her book at Eurospar in Dulic and uh, best of luck to the lucky number finalists who have a chance to win a thousand euro on our lucky number draw live on the 11 to 1 show with Sinead next Monday the 4th of September buy your book now from outlets across the North East and remember when you play LMFM Radio Bingo you're supporting the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre who supports so many people across the North East now let's do this at this time on Late Lunch Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number three from 1998, a favourite of our Louise. Let's hear it. It's Boys Own and No Matter What. No matter what they tell us No matter what they do no matter what they teach us No, no matter what Yes, the number three from this week in 1998 Written by one other, no other than Andrew Lloyd Webber and Jim Steinman For the musical Whistle Down the Wind in 1996 It was picked up by Boys Own in 98 Became the fourth number one in the UK charts And stayed at top spot for three weeks. It's a great song. It is a great song. I really like it. I like it. It's a boy's own classic. And uh, it's number three on this week in 1998. Bring you the two and the one uh, Thursday and Friday from that very week. Final break of the afternoon on late lunch. And afterwards, I'm joined by Sergeant Ricardo Lucchesi. Thank you for your message to the show this afternoon. A number of people thanking me for mentioning Vera Pau and the end of her reign as Irish manager. Another one there from Betty saying, with all the hikes and private health insurance, you're a client of a private hospital, a patient in a general one. And I like the treatment you get there, says Betty. Thank you indeed for getting in touch with us on the show. Now, Saturday in Dundalk is a big day for the 27th Infantry Battalion of the Irish Army because they're marking their 50th anniversary. And to tell me more, I'm joined by Sergeant Riccardo Lucchese. Hi, Riccardo. Good afternoon, Joey. How are you? I'm, I'm really good. Tell us about the history of this. 1973 it uh, began. 1973, the battalion was formed and the forces of Tambo. But, but the, the military had been here, and I suppose that the, the real deadline was the start of the Troubles in Northern Ireland when the barracks was re-garrisoned by regular army in about 1969 uh, onwards. So what happened then, Jerry, was we had troops that came from the south of Ireland, from Dublin and further south, who would come up and rotate maybe four to six months at a time. And they would form what's called the First Infantry Group. And that was kind of an ad hoc group. And then because the troubles intensified, the decision was made by the government and by the general staff to form a new unit. And that unit, which is us, the 27th Battalion, were formed on the 1st September of that year, 73. So that's the, the history of it. Yeah, and, and, and what a history as well. People today uh, of a modern generation wouldn't understand what you mentioned there, the troubles, the border absolutely. and all that went on there. It was a testing absolutely. time, wasn't it? For sure, absolutely. And our bread and butter here with the 27th Battalion, of course, was patrolling the border, was securing the border from our side. Uh, uh, and that entailed quite a lot, a lot of cold and wet nights patrolling with the guards along that border frontage, which led all the way from Omeath, way over to the west part, uh, the western part of County Monaghan. Mm, and it was a risky business, to say the least. It was risky, insofar as that 
you're a soldier and you carry a weapon and with that becomes an it, it, there is an inherent risk with but we were all very well trained and very well briefed now, a couple of names that come to the fore at this time uh, about the early days of it. Captain Tom Staunton. Yes, Captain Tom Staunton. He was here. He was very much involved in the football and the sporting end of things when he was here. Yes, yeah. and Brendan Burke, who was the adjutant. He was the first sergeant major. Right. Oh, sorry. Yes, he was. Sorry, Tom Staunton was the. Yes, he was. I do him. I do him down a, a ranking there. He was Brendan Burke was the sergeant major, and Tom sergeant Staunton, major, which is the senior, yeah, which yeah. is the senior non-commissioned officer rank. It's a very, very important rank within the structure of the defence forces, and a very extremely important rank within any infantry battalion. Tell us about you and your involvement with the Twenty Seven. How long does that stretch back to? It stretches back to 1985 when I became. I became uh, joined and listened into the Defence Forces recruit just straight out of school in November 1985. So I spent all my career, apart from my overseas missions, with the 27th Battalion. So I've been involved with running Veterans Days here, and I run the museum in, in the barracks as well. So the Veterans Day it takes part uh, takes place every September to coincide with the anniversary of the battalion. The last big day we had for the battalion was the 40th anniversary. So we're really pushing the boat out for this one this year. And it'll not only it will be our anniversary, but also our Veterans Day. So we're inviting the people of Dundalk, of of Dunleer, of our D and Drada, Mobile County, Lyle and County Meath and County Monmouth to come and visit us at the square on Saturday morning. And of course, our own serving members of the 27th Battalion and the veterans of the 27th Battalion who served in previous years. They will also be on parade with us. It's going to be a wonderful parade. So it starts at half ten at the Market Square in Dundalk, where you'll gather. I'm sure the uniforms will be spick and span, the boots shining. These are big occasions for army people. Huge occasions on the ceremony. And I mentioned the Sergeant Major earlier. He, he's he's had his work cut out from the last couple of weeks preparing everybody. We march at the battalion. We march out of Barrack Street Gate at ten fifteen in that morning. And the Barrack Street Gate is obviously the gate, the older gate. And they'll march out there and uh, march onto the square. We'll form up. Now, you talk about uh, spitting polished boots. We'll be wearing our combat uniforms, which, which are it's our camouflage uniforms, and our sand-coloured desert boots. However, the colour party, the, the soldiers that are involved in presenting the national colours and the brigade colours, will be in their service dress with medals. And, of course, their boots will be highly shined. Isn't that great that you're going to get all aspects of uh, the battalion? You know, as you say, dressed for action and as well as that in ceremonial. I can even see it myself. It's going to be a very, very special occasion. So where do you go to then from uh, the Market Square? What happens? What happens then, we, we march to the Market Square. We review that the Army Number One Band will be in situ. Uh, there'll be review and the, the review will be led by the chairperson of the Loud County Council. She will say a few words and her own battalion commander will say a few words. And then after that, the battalion marches through the dock on its way back to Aiken Barracks. And that's the, that's the parade. And afterwards, uh, the soldiers and, the, and the, the, the veterans are invited back for a small reception in the barracks afterwards, where there's a lot of tall stories told. Yes, absolutely. An awful lot of tall stories told. Uh, uh, it'll be a great uh, occasion for, as you say, the vets coming together with those serving as well at the moment. And, you know, to put on parade something that has been there in uh, the uh, community of Louth and along the border for 50 years. It, it's simply uh, wonderful. Um, this uh, infantry battalion, how many members has it currently? Currently, it has just over 400 members. Right, okay. Big, big contingent. Now, yeah, big contingent. And uh, we have a commitment to overseas as well. We, we have guys travelling to Lebanon. We have guys in Lebanon now, but preparing to go to Lebanon and to Syria. So we've always had a commitment going overseas, stretching back to our first commitment to Lebanon back in 1978. But uh, on, on top of that as well, the message we're trying to get across, Jerry, is that the Docks of Garrison Town has been for such a long time, but the... The battalion and the, the defence forces, on that matter, the defence forces belong to everybody of the state, everybody in the country. We're your defence forces. You know, we're employed by the state, but we belong to the country. We belong to the people of Dundalk. And the 27 battalion belong to the people of County Laird and County Monin and County Cavan on the border. We belong to each one of you. So this is what we're trying to, for too long we've been behind the walls of the barracks. And, and we're, really, we're really trying to 
you know, to encourage people to come and see us, to talk to us, find out what we're about. And in, in part of that, we ran very successful walking tours here during the summer. Well, I think we had someone, but between 300 and 350, 360 people came through here on the walking, historical walking tours of the barracks. And they, they proved very positive. Again, the message is to tell people what the battalion is all about and what the Defence Force is all about. Yeah, it really is good. Was Sean Rooney associated with you, who yeah, lost his life Sean, tragically? Yes. Sean was one of ours. Sean, uh, as you know, was born in the dock. He lived in Donegal with his mum. Sean joined the army with the Cavalry Squadron in Dublin and had served overseas in Lebanon with them. When he re- returned from Lebanon last summer, he, he joined us, the 27th Battalion, and it was with us. He deployed again to South Lebanon. He was tragically killed. Sean's got a great connection with the dock. His, his uncles, both his uncles serve here, and his great uncle also serves at the 27th Battalion. So there's a long connection with the battalion. Yes. And will be re- family have a strong connection. Yes, yeah. and Sean, we remember him today, and he will be remembered oh, the weekend. Yes, absolutely, that, that's very true. Yeah. Ricardo, yeah. thank you so much. Wish you well. Ten thirty uh, on Saturday, Dundalk. Be there and enjoy this wonderful spectacle. Wish you all the very best with it. Roger that. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Sergeant Ricardo Lucchesi there from the 27th Infantry Battalion celebrating 50 years this Saturday. That's it on Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive. We'll be back with your Late Lunch tomorrow at 1.30. We'll see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.